It's Friday evening, it's five o'clock, and that can only mean one thing. That's right, it is Friday Sport, and I'd be and with Aidan Raftery and uh, Brian uh, Colleran, and uh, we'd be with you for the next two hours of sport, and uh, we'd bring you all the lists and fixtures, we'd bring you soccer, um, we'd bring you soccer, futsal, rugby, you name it, we'll have it. Uh, we'll start off with our our usual discussion. Myself and Brian will have our usual discussion, and that'll be followed by local, regional, and national uh, rugby with myself and Adrian uh, Adrian Leddy. We'll also have uh, futsal and Formula One, and of course local J with myself and uh, Raylan, and all that and more to come up. And uh, we hope you uh, you'll stay with us. And uh, thanks very much for everyone for tuning in. And also, I'd like to thank. Uh, like to thank uh, Joe Bambrick for another brilliant show and of course before him as well Louise McMahon for Echoes of Aaron two very good shows and of course we have uh, very talented pro- we have very talented uh, presenters on here who, pre- who present uh, great shows every day from Monday to Friday from 9.30 from 9 o'clock right through until uh, right through until 7 in the evening so uh, there's something for everyone there's music shows there's chat shows uh, something for everyone so why not support your local sh- your local station and don't forget as well there's that 50-50 draw every week so yeah, every fortnight so you could uh, even be in with a chance to win so don't forget there's uh, one uh, one envelope for 2 euro or 3 for a fiver so get in there and you could win money uh, ahead of the weekend that wouldn't be too bad and uh, so thanks very much for everyone and thanks very much to all the presenters here in Ross FM who do a, a great job and uh, including including Louise there and um yeah, so uh, don't forget, we'd love to hear from you. If you have any, if you have any opinions or anything you like read out, uh, or any announcements, or you want to say hello to someone or congratulations, you can tell, you can text or WhatsApp us on zero eight three eight five double nine seven four eight. That's zero eight three eight five double nine seven four eight, and we'd be delighted to read them out for you. And uh, also, you can listen to us in many ways. You can listen to us on the on the uh, radio on FM ninety four point six on the website www.rossfm.ie forward slash live or indeed on the tune-in app so that's the different ways and don't forget if you miss any of the shows they're available on uh, Mixcloud and also on the website rossfm.ie as well uh, so if you miss any of the shop, any of the shows they're all podcasted and uh, don't forget uh, the, the two shows that I do GA View uh, will be available on um, will be available on Spotify and of course uh, Friday Sport will also be uh, if you miss it live it's also available about 10 or 15 minutes uh, after the show uh, this evening it'll be available on the on the Rossfm website as well so uh, there you go and also all my interviews are on Rossfm Sport on uh, Mixcloud and of course Spotify and of course uh, the show as I said is on the website so um, yeah so there's uh, plenty for us to talk about uh, we'll kick off the show and I suppose one of the things that we'll uh, start off with uh, it's the Roscommon and District League stuff. Um, there's some fixtures this weekend. It's great to it's great to be back. And uh, the fixtures of uh, for this weekend are on Friday the fifteenth. That's tonight, uh, or that's from last week. And uh, let me see, oh, Sorry about this. No, yeah, twenty second. Yeah. So uh, Shivan Rovers t- tonight in the in the Premier Division. Uh, Shivan Rovers and uh, St John's Athletic have. Um, have uh, has been postponed uh, in the north in the north league and Dunmore Town take on Ballymore that's at 8 p.m. and of course in the women's league Kilcarran United versus um, Ballinasloe Town is postponed and Castlereagh Celtic will be on at uh, Castlereagh Celtic versus Boyle Celtic at 8 p.m. on Saturday the on Saturday the 23rd of September 
sorry, the 24th of September, and uh, Sunday, sorry, the 24th of September in the FAI Junior Cup uh, weekend, 23rd, 24th of um, September in uh, the Mayo Football League, Roscommon Football League, and Sligo Leitrim League. Um, the fixtures are as follows in uh, Valley, Valley Rovers FC versus CP Ajax FC. Um, Balahadreen take on Bally, Ballyheen uh, AFC at 2pm and uh, Westport United take on Castery Celtic that'll be a good one Moor United take on St John's FC of Sligo and Oris uh, um, take on uh, Dunmore Town FC and of course Ballinasloe Town AFC take on Clunfad United and Carberry take on uh, Car- Carberry FC take on Kilchima Knock United and in their form and back to the Roscommon District League um, on Sunday then uh, in the Premier Division Ballinasloe Town and uh, Boyle Celtic are pro- is postponed and moving on to the North League Kilcarran United take on Balahadreen B and that's at 2 o'clock Glen Celtic take our at home to Ballinagar Manor at 2pm fixtures change due to generator issue with floodlights so uh, that game was supposed to be tonight but it was changed to Sunday and that's at 2pm and in the Roscommon District Football League South, St John's Athletic B take on Cam, Cam Dysart at 11am. St Coons United at Haskra take on Roscommon United at 11am. Sky Valley Rovers take on My Lock 79 at 11am. And moving on to the Women's League then, uh, the, the Roscommon District Football League Women's uh, League, uh, Shivan Rovers take on Balahadrine at 2pm. And St Coons take on... Um, St. Coons take on Cam Celtic at 2pm. So there are your fixtures for the weekend. And, uh, of course, uh, I just want to pay a tribute to um, to two people I knew very well. Uh, we all knew, well, uh, myself and Seamus, and I'm sure other people at the station knew very well. Uh, one guy in particular, though, that first of all is Oleg Doroshevsky. Um, Doroshevich, I should say. Um, he passed away. He's the physio for uh, Craig's Intermediate Footballers. They had a match there to the, at the weekend, uh, the Intermediate Relegation Playoff against St. Aidan's. And uh, unfortunately, after the game, uh, Oleg passed away. He collapsed in the dressing room and passed away, unfortunately. So we'd like to send our condolences and um, our condolences and prayers uh, to the to his family and, of course, his friends, everyone at uh, Craig's GA Club and the, the wider community. And, of course, to uh, another la- uh, to another lady that's... Um, that's an inspiration has been involved in a lot of sports and has brought a lot of a lot to Roscommon sports or sports around Roscommon is Maura Allen she's been involved in uh, in the local side here um, Roscommon Gales GA Club the ladies Gaelic football um, Special Olympics and swimming and also athletics and many other things uh, unfortunately she passed away in the last week and I'd like to again once again extend my sympathies uh, to the, to her family and friends and the community of Roscommon as well on the huge loss and uh, may, she, may she rest in peace so uh, yeah just uh, mentioning that just mentioning those those uh, couple of things Brian and uh, of course we'll, we'll kick off I suppose with the uh, the predictions there are as far Follows, uh, just uh, they're coming up here now. No, and we have them here now. And the results are as follows: Wolves one, Liverpool three, Aston Villa three, um, Crystal Palace one, Fulham one, Luton Town nil, Manchester United one, Brighton three. 
Um, Tottenham 2, Sheffield United 1, uh, West Ham United 1, and Manchester City 3, uh, Newcastle 1, Brentford 0, and uh, Bournemouth 0, Chelsea 0, um, Everton 0, Arsenal 1, and Notts County versus 1, um, and Burnley 1. So the results are. I got 8 out of 10, Dara got 9 out of 10, Emer got 5 out of 10, Martin got 7 out of 10, Noel got 5 out of 10, Brian, you got 8 out of 10, and so did your mum, Mary. So uh, what, do you, what do you make of them results? Yeah, I had a, well, I was thinking I had a good week, <laughs> and then uh, I let the heart rule the head again, and Chelsea let me down again. Yeah, yeah. But I've, I've learned from this week that I'm going to stay away from them. But uh, yeah, um, seem to be going well for us so far. Yeah, <laughs> but, um, so we'll see how it goes next week. Yeah, and uh, the results so far, uh, I'm on two two predictions right. Uh, Martin's on one. Um, your your mum is on two. Noel is on not point five. You're only beat my. You're only beat me by point five, Brian. I'll take that. <laughs> I'll say a win is a win. <laughs> and at work, then uh, you know, uh, Emer Emer one, uh, Dara two point five, and Martin on point five so we'll go for the, through the predictions here and uh, then we, we'll go to, we'll have comments then when, when we get to your predictions yep, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll do that so uh, for Saturday then um, Crystal Palace versus Fulham I went for a draw uh, for uh, Luton versus Wolves I went for a win for Wolves Man City versus North, North Forest I went for Man City Brentford versus Everton I went for Brentford uh, Burnley and uh, Man United what do you reckon of this one I went for a draw yeah I'm going to go for United <laughs> just about um, on Sunday Arsenal um Arsenal versus Spurs I went for Arsenal uh, Brighton versus Bournemouth I went for Brighton Chelsea versus Villa I went for I went for Chelsea uh, and uh, uh, for uh, Chel- for Liverpool versus West Ham I went for Liverpool and um, and finally then uh, Sheffield United uh, versus Newcastle I went for Newcastle now Dara's uh, Dara's predictions are as follows for Saturday uh, Crystal Palace versus Fulham a draw uh, Luton versus uh, Luton versus Wolves. He went for um, he went for a draw there. Or sorry, sorry he went for uh, yeah yeah he went for Wolves. Uh, for um, Man City versus uh, Forest, he went for Man City. Uh, Brentford versus Everton, he went for Brentford. And uh, Burnley for versus Man United, he went for a draw. Uh, on Sundays Sundays fixtures then uh, Arsenal. Arsenal versus Spurs he went for Arsenal Brighton versus Bournemouth he went for uh, Brighton uh, Chelsea versus Aston Villa he went for uh, Chelsea uh, Liverpool versus West Ham he went for Liverpool he's a Man United fan or a Liverpool fan sorry uh, sorry about that uh, slip of the tongue there um, uh, yeah so he went for Liverpool in that one and for, for Sheffield Sheffield United versus Newcastle he went for a draw uh, Emer went for uh, a win for uh, Crystal Palace in Crystal Palace versus Fulham, uh, Luton Town versus Wolves. He went for Wolves. Uh, Man City versus Nottingham Forest. He went for uh, Man City. Brentford versus Everton. He went for uh, Brentford. Burnley versus Man United. He went for Man United. And uh, on the on Sunday, then he went for uh, Arsenal versus uh, Spurs. A draw. That's not a, that's that's a fair enough uh, prediction. Um, Brighton versus Bournemouth. He went for Brighton. Chelsea versus uh, Chelsea versus Aston Villa. He went for Villa. Uh, Liverpool versus 
West Ham, he went for um, they went for um, they went for uh, Newcastle. So uh, and uh, Liverpool versus West Ham went for Liverpool. So what 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 do you think of them now? There uh, there are some interesting ones. And finally, uh, we'll go to Martin as well. Uh, Martin then next up on Saturday he went for uh, Crystal Palace, uh, Fulham a draw, uh, Luton versus Wolves a draw. Uh, Manchester City North Forest he went for a City win uh, Brentford versus Everton he went for Brentford and um, let me see yeah Brentford and uh, Burnley versus uh, Bur- 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 Burnley versus Manchester United he went for a draw uh, Arsenal versus Spurs he went for uh, a draw Brighton versus Bournemouth he went for a Brighton win uh, Chelsea versus Villa he went for a draw uh, Liverpool versus uh, West Ham he went for a Liverpool win and Sheffield United versus Newcastle he went for uh, a Newcastle win uh, Noel went for in his predictions uh, Crystal Palace versus Fulham he went for a draw Luton versus Wolves he went for a Wolves win uh, Man City versus Notts Forest he went for uh, Man City Brentford versus Everton he went for uh, Brentford Burnley versus United he went for United and um, then for Sunday then Arsenal versus Tottenham he went for Tottenham Uh, Brighton versus Bournemouth he went for uh, Brighton and Chelsea versus Villa he went for Villa Um, er, Liverpool versus West Ham he went for Liverpool and Sheffield United versus, uh, versus Newcastle he went for Newcastle and Brian now here comes your predictions and uh, so what I'll do is I'll read your predictions and then I'll read your mum's predictions and then we'll, we'll discuss so uh, so Brian your predictions are Palace versus Fulham you went for a Palace win um, Luton Town versus uh, Wolves you went for a Wolves win Man City versus Spurs you went for a Man City Forest. win or, or, or oh yeah sorry it's the Man City was underlined sorry about that mm. and uh, so uh, New- Brentford versus uh Everton, you went for Brentford. Uh, Burnley versus uh, Burnley versus United, you went for United. Uh, on Sunday, then uh, Arsenal versus Spurs, you went for Arsenal. Uh, Brighton versus Bournemouth, you went for Bournemouth. Um, Chelsea versus uh, Chelsea versus Villa, you went for uh, a draw. Uh, Liverpool versus New- Liverpool versus uh, West Ham, you went for uh, Liverpool win. And Sheffield United versus um, let me see, yeah, Sheffield United versus Newcastle. You went for Newcastle, and we'll just uh, say your moment, and then we'll we'll get your uh, your reading on on your predictions. Uh, so for uh, for Brian's mom, then Mary, and uh, she went for in uh, Crystal Palace versus Fulham. She went for um, Crystal Palace in uh, Spur- in Luton versus Wolves. She, he, that was a draw. New uh, Man City versus Notts Count Notts Forest. Um, went for a City win Brentford Everton a, a draw and Burnley versus Man United uh, a Burnley win there and uh, for Sunday then Arsenal Spurs went for a draw um, Brighton versus um, Bournemouth um, a Brighton win Chelsea versus Villa a draw Liverpool versus West Ham a draw Sheffield United uh, versus uh, Sheffield United versus Newcastle went for a Newcastle win so uh, yeah, so we'll go back to your um, to your uh, predictions there. Yeah, but just go through them. Um, Crystal Palace, Fulham. I went for Palace. Uh, I thought Palace were unlucky last week against Villa. You know, yeah. couple of, a couple of late goals by Villa. Um, I thought Palace deserved a draw in that game. Um, I'm just going simply for the fact that it's they're at home. That's why I went for Palace. Um, 
Wolves v Luton I'd love to see Luton getting a point but I just can't know where they're going to pick up a point yeah. this year so far um, and I watched Wolves last week against Liverpool who were very good especially in the first half and a couple of late goals from Liverpool um, got them over the line that game so just going for Wolves and that Man City Forest um, Man City you just can't see Man City dropping points in the near future the way they're playing you know even with the injuries like De Bruyne you think that'd be a big loss yeah. and just reeling off results after results so going for Man City there but they have the cover like that is the thing like, yeah, you know, yeah. they could uh, like we said in previous shows I think you, you could bring out any 11 uh, from yeah. that Man City squad and they, they, they're well capable of beating even the, even the best team yeah and it's just the, the formation he's been like you'd, I don't know how you set up against them because like you've the full backs going into midfield how yeah. do you how do you pick them up and if they can just play in different positions and I don't know how you'd set up to beat them. Yeah, it's a build a wall. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, so I mean, you know, we we're kind of saying about you know maybe the international break would have thrown up a few surprises, uh, maybe performance wise in in a few of them, but not 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 really results wise. No, exactly. Um, it's all boils down to injuries, but like. When you see the strength and depth of some of the squads now, yeah, um, and the, the league has nearly taken shape already, yeah. um, bar a few teams here and there. Um, but yeah, let's move on to uh, Brentford and Everton. I went for Brentford. Um, Everton they had a good performance last week against Arsenal. Yeah. Um, but uh, I seen Brentford against Newcastle, and they look very well unlucky to get the loss in that game, and just again that they're home. Man United, Burnley. Uh, I've gone for Man United just about in this game. Yeah. Um, United are having a wretched season, but uh, I think, not very confidently, I think they'll get the win against Burnley. Um, and then on Sunday, Arsenal and Spurs. Uh, I went for Arsenal. Um, so impressed with Arsenal how they've started this year. You know, the win in the Champions League on Wednesday night. Um, goals come from all over the pitch. You know, they probably haven't got a 20 goal a season player but when they're chipping in from every position but I think um, you know in midfield I think Declan Rice has really kind of you know I think he's gave, given them that bit of security in midfield really up front strike wise they're not doing too bad I mean Partey is doing doing well in the squad as well he's, he's a good player um, but, yeah. the, 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 but I think more that you know maybe in the in defence maybe they might need one or two players yeah I think that's probably what was their downfall last year not having um, a defensive midfielder of the quality of Rice but since he came in like he's just mm. went in there seamlessly and he's made them a much better team but I mean like last year with with, uh, with Arsenal they, they slipped up maybe once or twice but they never looked like relinquishing the, that first place um, spot until kind of more tw- what about five or six weeks before yeah. the end of the season and then you know when that when the you know when when it was there to be won when they needed you know when the pressure was on. Yeah. Um, now I suppose by by City's standards they did they weren't uh, their their normal selves either. But their experience uh, in tight spots as we seen them like you know when Liverpool, when themselves in Liverpool were yeah. uh, went toe to toe on the last day of the year before. Um, you know they, they I mean maybe, maybe that experience stood to them as well for last season. Yeah, well like if if you're in Arsenal's position last year and you're nearly ahead for the whole year and then coming down the final few games and you're eight points ahead in the league and then you lose a game against I think they drew a game against Southampton maybe lost it and then suddenly City are breathing down your neck and there's a different type of pressure when they're when City are just winning game after game and I think just a bit of squad depth that let them down last year but they've improved on that uh, with the sign of Rice 
Yeah, that's it. And I mean, but uh, you know, he, he's a very he's a very diverse player. I think he he could play kind of defensively or offensively. But I, I think maybe you know. He, he could nearly try him out, out wide as well I'd say he'd do a job out there as I well he's just one of those players isn't he he'd do a job anywhere of you but I think yeah. his best position is is the whole midfielder but even you see against United he got the late goal mm. um, probably what he's, he's not known for his scoring but if you can chip him with a goal or two he's, he's nearly the complete player that's it and uh, you know it's it's going to be uh, there's some very interesting games there from what we've read out you know it's yeah. going to be uh, I threw a, I, this week I threw in a sort of a curveball this week I went uh, for Bournemouth to beat Brighton they just Brighton's first uh, season in Europe coming back after a, a, a defeat on a Thursday night and it's just how they adapt to the game on the Sunday yeah. and I just watching Bournemouth play against Chelsea last week you know they were defensively solid Chelsea should have won the game but they got a point out of it and they'll be going in with lots of confidence and just going for a, an away win there a bit of a curveball yeah it is but I suppose really you know as well as that you know they may have lost on last night uh, you know in the Europa League or whatever but or yeah and but you know something it's the first time they've ever played in Europe yeah. so I mean that sort of experience will really stand to them uh, against the better teams because they will see you know that the bar is higher in Europe yeah. and the, the, you know they can plan they can use that in, they can bring that into Premier League games as well and say right this is what we need to do you know against this type of a team depending on the type of tactics the opposition mm. are playing yeah like he could easily make four or five subs the next day and have a completely different team out and um, they just seem to play a different style of football in Premier League yeah but um, well you need that too as well you, you need to kind of sometimes you need to, yeah you need to have the, this is the way the style of play you know, for to a certain extent, but sometimes, you, depending on the opposition, you might have to ch- twi- do tweaks tactically or maybe even personnel-wise uh, in team selection. Like one day you might say, "Okay, well, you know, we need to hold a midfielder against yeah. this team," and then maybe against another team, you say, "All right, well, we don't need. Uh, you know, we'll take these teams, so we'll have uh, we can have a more attack-minded midfield." Yeah, it just it, it, it seem to be a different team in the Premier League. Like they're full possession based team you know they're very comfortable the goal is very comfortable taking the ball off defenders mm. it's building up from attack and but I just think this week they might trip up yeah yeah, yeah. but I think as well now, you know when, when you consider that they're doing this without Caicedo Caicedo was one, was one of their best players last season and they're doing they're doing well this season oh, like, even like, without him like you know if you go through the, the players they've let go like you know Caicedo McAllister even Cucurella the year before who was one of their good players and however they find the players whatever scouts they have however they find these players they're just as good and they're not afraid to sell on players because they know well and that Ferguson they probably have as well Ferguson yeah, yeah they know well they've, they'll have someone just as good lined up so it doesn't seem to bother them and they got him on a you know a League of Ireland player that yeah. you know for Ver- you see a lot of people say oh well if he if you pay eighty million if you play ninety you may pay ninety million for a player he must be brilliant doesn't always the case doesn't I mean you know he, he wasn't worth half the price of you know another striker we say eighty or ninety million no. nowhere but yet yes he's producing them better than than, oh. than the top of the top strikers you could easily you know. name off five six strikers that have cost eighty ninety hundred million just haven't worked out. Um, and he'd be in demand now. There'd be clubs wanting to get in for him. It will, of course, but it will, of course. But I think Brighton is the perfect fit for him at the moment with the football they play. Yeah, you know, it'd be no harm for him to stay at Brighton another two or three seasons. He's only eighteen. He shouldn't be in any panic to get this big move because if it doesn't work out, you know, and one bad move and it could put a stall to your career. 
Yeah, but this is it, and confidence as well. So we'll move on to the big game. Um, we'll look back at last week's game, last week's win against Tonga. And I think um, one of the things that we say pundits have said in previous games um, that you know it is the cornerstone of uh, everything that Ireland do is the, from the line out. That's the springboard for most of their attacks, as well as as well as Johnny Sexton's mm. uh, kicks as well. And but uh, you know, a few people have been critical about that. That maybe it was, things were going wrong in, in that area. But by by God, it was it was addressed there. It was addressed against Tonga, and the, the, yeah. it, was, it was really perfect. They were all flawless. Yeah, they? yeah, that was the one area that Ireland were sort of not underperformed, but haven't been immaculate on was the line out. And you know, a lot of the pundits were questioning this game, like saying Tonga are going to bring something different, and a lot of power from the front row of Tonga and the scrum. But um, Ireland matched them up and more in that game and ran out convincing winners in the end. Um, you know the strength and depth of this Ireland team is just phenomenal at the moment. Um, it's frightening, you know, what they can do, what they can achieve. That's it, and uh, you know it's going to be, uh, you know, look, they, they won them all convincingly. But this brings us on to this brings us on to the big test or two big tests. Well, this I think this is this will decide. Uh, Ireland's group really uh, this will be a group decider with all due respect to Scotland but Scotland won't be able to be won't be um, you know easy bet either but that'll be that's a discussion for next week but uh, you know this South African team you know the, the Ireland aren't taking that, them for granted but South Africa aren't taking Ireland for granted either this is the number one in the world versus a very versus the current champions yeah so I mean um, you know this is going to be a brilliant one If but Ireland will really have to bring their A game it, the, the, there'll be no runaway win for Ireland in this one it's going to be a very close game yeah it is like it's the, since the opening game of the tournament it's definitely the most anticipated game you know it's the world number one team Ireland against three time champions and like Ireland coming into it just saw a stat there this morning Ireland coming into uh the game 15 games unbeaten um, which includes wins over South Africa and a Grand Slam um, but Ireland like only making one sub from the previous game just um, emphasis like that Andy Farrell wants to stick with the tried and trusted and uh, yeah it's not going to be an easy game at all you know France's or um, South Africa's power um, is going to have to be matched again um, and their wingers you know they're phenomenal. Their try records for South Africa is, is just phenomenal. But um, yeah, no, I mean when you, when you look at now, I was talking to a few people and I saw it in the article. You know, with, with the, their team was named and their subs bench, they're going for seven forwards and one back. That's a very, uh, very, very, very attacking, isn't it? Yeah, it's very risky move, but it's it just shows that their game like is just going to be all power. Yeah. Um, I'd say the only well, I would say weak link, but the only game that isn't perfect is the out half um, Manny Libok he was kicking the last day and his kicking from set pieces like under no pressure at all was very bad like he wasn't missing them by you know a foot or two he was missing them by 10 foot and that's with no pressure on so if, I, if, if the game is in the melted pot you know coming down the home straight and he's under pressure I think that's where South Africa could uh, become undone 
That's it, and you, you know, especially with the you know we've seen, and I mean with with this Ireland team, uh, you know they've had two great games coming into this, uh, two convincing wins, so they're going into this game full of confidence, but not but knowing that they, that this is going to be an easy game. But uh, I think the yeah. key thing about it is, uh, you know, between the two games, it's been more or less the same. I know there was uh, from the the team that played the, Romania, there was four changes for yeah. for last weekend's game, but for this game there was only one, but. You know the the players uh, against Romania, they come on yeah. towards the end, and they they kind of steady the ship and all that. Mm-hmm. So you know they have they have game times in the, in the World Cup, and then they're you know so for this for this game there was only one there was only one change, and that's key as well. Uh, you know more or less keeping the core of the team there. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's they've learned from past World Cups, I think, and yeah. he's going with like if it's not broke, don't fix it. Ireland have been very lucky. With, with not getting any injuries but if you go through the Ireland bench like you have Dan Sheehan you have Ian Henderson Conor Murray Robbie Henshaw like they've all been on Lions tours multiple Lions tours so if you bring them on you're weakening the team in no way at all yeah and of course with uh, with Johnny Sexton there in number 10 he's uh, you know he's a, he's a big thing and if, yeah. if he can stay I think the key to Ireland doing really well in this tournament if he can stay in injury free but against the, against the tougher teams yeah, he's really he's, going to become t- key yeah well he's going to be targeted like in these big games yeah. you know they, South Africa will definitely have a plan for him um, but it's great to see him yeah, breaking yeah, the record out yeah exactly yeah well you know if it's done within the rules, yeah, you know exactly. Yeah, but um, Willis, yeah. but it was great to see him breaking the record, Ron Gar's record yeah. last night, especially with the try. And of course, uh, you know, uh, I saw an article there uh, from uh, from uh, Ron Gar, and he, he's actually delighted for him. You know, uh, some people might be so, oh, he took away, but no, no, he was absolutely delighted. Yeah, he is. Like uh, he's an Irish man at the end of the day, and he yeah, loves the Ireland win the World about, Cup. Yeah. But Johnny Sexton, he's playing. You know, you wouldn't think this is his last tournament. Like he's. He's playing some of the best rugby he's ever played, mm. and he's going to be very important for Ireland going forward to the end of the tournament. Hopefully, that's it. And of course, uh, Louise Louise asked me there in uh, the the show, and that goes of here. Will uh, Will Ireland win? Um, I think uh, you know if Ireland play the way they can play, if they keep playing along the set, and you see this is uh, this team is really clicking. If Ireland bring their A game, you know they've been playing very well. They're not number one for nothing. Yeah. I think they're in with a good shot. I think they could win this game, but it's going to be it's just going to be very t- it'll be a very close game but I think they can they, yeah. can, they can beat South Africa oh they can of course like they've they've bet them previously um, I just think that South Africa's bench going for the 7-1 split might backfire on them at the end like you know when they need a few tries maybe a few injuries and I think Ireland going into this game should be full of confidence and yeah I think Winning, but winning by a small margin. Exactly, and look, that's all. That's all it takes. And mm-hmm. uh, I mean, you know, there's no reason why they should fear anyone. I mean, they're they're number one in the world. Mm-hmm. But that's not, be, not that's not saying that from no. the, the point of view of being cocky. It's you know they're number one, but they, they're they're better prepared for this World Cup than we say the last one or the last yeah. couple of World Cups. This is, this really seems to be the you know that the yeah they're number one in the world for a reason. Like they didn't just get drawn out of a hat, and yeah. they've been number one for for a while now. You know, and. Um, but it's just the teams they've bet like you know the Grand Slam holders and beating New Zealand um, South Africa um, so they, they should be confident and you know it's no harm to have a bit of arrogance about your position oh yeah you know, it's, we I don't, fully believe in them anyway yeah. I'm sure everyone else does it's not too often Irish teams are number one in the world in Anthem so yeah we should uh, be proud of them 
Absolutely, they're they're doing well, and uh, you know we're, we're all looking forward to it. So mm. there, there you go, Louise. My prediction is Ireland can beat South Africa. So uh, if you have any comments on that, we're we're both going for South Africa or uh, for Ireland. Yeah, I go for yeah. Ireland, and but South Africa getting a bonus point. Uh, bonus point for a less a than loser, seven point yeah. defeat yeah. yeah and I'm going to go for Ireland as well and uh, why not and we'd like to we'd like to take this opportunity to uh, to wish the lads all the best tomorrow night and uh, it's a game I'm looking for, really looking forward to so for more on that uh, next up we have uh, we're going to kick off the show with uh, or we're going to kick off uh, the rugby with uh, myself and Adrian uh, myself and Adrian Leddy talk about all things rugby so we'll be talking about Craig's Rugby Club the AIL clubs Connacht Rugby and of course the big match looking back on the Tonga game last weekend and looking ahead to the game against West uh, against South Africa so I hope you enjoy this interview and it's coming up after this Straight. Hello everyone, how are you doing? You're very welcome to this week's uh, Rugby View with myself, Aidan Raftery and the show is always kindly sponsored by uh, Best Drive here in Roscommon Town and that's the sponsors of Friday uh, Friday Sport and to talk about all things rugby as usual we have Adrian Lelly from Craig's Rugby Club Hello Adrian, how are you? Are you well? How are you, how are you doing Aidan? Not so bad, no not so bad The weather, the weather isn't great but there's uh, plenty uh, of uh, great rugby to talk about and that's that includes the uh, Ireland's win on uh, on Saturday against Tonga so we'll talk about that later on but I suppose we'll talk about matters uh, closer to home and Craig's Rugby Club uh, I suppose underage the first and second team and of course the mini rugby which is also very important and we love talking about um, that has got underway in the last week or so as well Yeah absolutely and, and um, you know it's uh uh, again, it's great to see it all up and running and uh, youths and mini rugby and all happening now again in Craig's. Uh, great, turn- great turnouts of boys and girls. Uh, uh, and um, even uh, uh, this week, uh, we're going to have a big turnout of uh, national schools. Uh, I was told this morning that there could be anything up to uh, 500 uh, boys and girls in, in Craig's uh, on Thursday. So it's a uh, it's um, you know uh, it really has taken off the ground fairly fast this year, uh, and even the youth leagues got up and running with their under fifteens uh, uh, last weekend away to Buccaneers, and uh, yeah, they had a nice win against uh, the Buccaneers to start off the season, and um, you know that all all the leagues will be will be up and running now for the the next coming um, weeks, and you know the. Coaches are getting all the teams and that they're ready, and you know there's uh, a great uh, numbers uh, turning out for for training as well, and you know thankfully that we have all the coaches in place for for the youth teams um, and and the mini rugby, and you know it's uh, that's the important thing that they that they have it the proper setup and that they're for them when you when you have the when you. When you get the influx of numbers into into the club, and I suppose it's it's like when Wimbledon is on, everybody takes up a tennis racket, and the same with the World Cup rugby is that every youngster wants a rugby ball in his hand. So uh, rugby rugby is the, the 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 buzzword at the moment and the popular sport, and um, the people you know young lads and young girls like to be there out there and. Uh, showing what they can do and the, whether they can be the 
the new Johnny Sexton uh, coming come on stream, uh, you know, there probably will be a few Johnny Sexton's in their own mind anyway. Oh, but uh, yeah, and sure, it's great. And it's, uh, it's great that they can come out and, and in, enjoy it. And they all maybe have an, an idol, maybe in some of the, the uh, uh, people playing in the in the back in the backs or in the forwards, uh, like they're you know there's great people like uh, Bundyaki having having a great World Cup. A lot of people are looking up to him now at the moment, and you know, say Tyg Burn in, in the forwards. So you know they're great future uh, uh, people that that young young uh, boys and girls will remember for a long time uh, after the World Cup. That's it. And of course, I suppose, like you just mentioned, the amount of, uh, you know, p- uh, kids from the national schools are around the county, there'll be four or five hundred. That's where, that, that's where uh, it's key that you have all those, you know, the, every one of those five pitches that you have out in Craig's as well. Absolutely. Uh, uh, in, uh, um, I said we'll, we'll leave it at four, but. Uh, <laughs> at four, but, right. Uh, yeah, so but you know, um, it's great to have them. It's great to have them, and it's great, you know, they're, they're all in great shape. Even considering all the rain rainfall uh, at at the present time, they're all yeah, they're all ideal and great coat of grass on all the grass pitches as well. So uh, we look we look forward to to the day, and uh, look forward to welcoming all the various primary schools um, uh, to to Craig's uh, uh, on, the, on during the week. And of course, I was just throwing in that extra one for luck, you know the way. Absolutely. I suppose just just to give people an, an update on the great facilities. Obviously, you know the gym and all that. That great new building that was built over the last year or two, and uh, the new facilities that are available. Just to tell the listeners a bit about that, because it was great. Pro- it was great progress, and of course, as we know, it's all the plan. It, it wouldn't be possible without all the all the great planning that went into it. Uh, I suppose the the sponsors and the, all the business the businesses around Craig's and I suppose you, you know all the all the supporters and the, all the members around around the the club um, that uh, help fundraise for the and the fundraiser as well to help fundraise for the building because it is it is uh, a serious building and it's something that uh, you know it, it's it's an extra cog in the clubs in the clubs. Uh, wheel to be able to use and uh, you know I suppose it ensures the progress of the club going forward as well to you know go on to the next level yeah we wouldn't be able to do it at all only for the support that we have from the from the community and we're we're continually uh, fundraising we're we're actually running a, a scratch guard thing for the World Cup final as well and you know it's uh, coming up with different novel ideas that, uh, that uh, people can support the club and Supported in, in many's way, whether they're actually playing rugby, whether they want to use the walk, whether they want to uh, come out as a spectator, whether they want their son or daughter playing rugby. Um, you know, they have that facilities uh, there for both the pitches and what the new changing rooms are. Well, well on its way. We're into the uh, the you know the the tedious work now of the the plumbing, the the electrical work, uh, the tiling. All the inside work that, that takes up the time, and um, again, uh, the contractors are are, are working um, are working away at it. At the, uh, and it, it's going to be a, a great facility for uh, the local community uh, when when it's all completed. I say that it, it is a great. Um... 
I suppose, focus for the community uh, that, that everyone can be. You know, you were saying about the there's the pathway around the pitches and all that so people can go for a walk in the wintertime under the lights safely and things like that. So it's not it's not just about the club, as you, you were saying, like in previous interviews, it's it's for the whole community to use as well, which is great. Yeah, yeah, coming into the dark nights where the where the local roads aren't safe for, for walking or cycling. So it's... Uh, it's great to have that facility there lit up uh, that people can go after work uh, in the evening and, and go for a, uh, a nice walk. And I'm, I'm glad to say, uh, Aidan, that it's um, it's well used and, it's, you know, probably uh, it really took off during COVID and it has continued to be uh, be in great demand. So, uh, And then like there, uh, there's parents that drop off their, their uh, sons and daughters there for, for training. And they themselves do a bit of exercise by by taking in the walk and that they're while 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 they're waiting on their son or daughter to finish training. So it's great from that point of view that we have that facility um, for for the parents as well. And of course, uh, you, you know, I suppose that brings us on. I suppose to the first and second teams and the underage teams. There's been, uh, you, you know, I suppose that the underage players have been busy between. Uh, you know, pre-season training for Craig's, but also there's been a lot of a lot of people, a lot of them involved with with uh, rugby, with the uh, with Connacht rugby as well. Oh yeah, the, you know, it has been a busy year with so many of them on the the various panels uh, with with Connacht, and yeah, that's great for them, and and it's great great for them to uh, to play rugby at, at a higher level, and uh, you know to have boys and girls uh, involved with Connacht, uh, not alone. Uh, to get onto the team, but to to avail of the type of uh, coaching and all that they get at interprovincial level, it's it's uh, going to help them in the, in the long run. And they also uh, the camaraderie of it of, of meeting new players and meeting uh, their comrades from other clubs as well that they'll probably be coming up against uh, in in the league program during during the year within Connacht. So. You know the the youth, uh, uh, as you say, was was extremely busy, and it will be uh, very busy between now and and Christmas at at club level uh, with all with all the leagues up and running. And of course, the first and second teams now will be busy from now until Christmas and even beyond uh, between cup games and the league and all that. And uh, like Craig's Craig's rugby club that you know the first and seconds have really come on an awful lot and. They, they learn a lot year on year, and uh, but the, the players coming through are are of great quality as well. That that are you know going into the development squad and then going to getting into the, the first team. But uh, you know, the, I suppose that the, the important thing to say is that it it is a combined squad, really, the development team and the um the first team that train together and, and all that. So it, it's it's very much a together thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's very, very much so. The you know the the, co- the first team and second team uh, coaching all work together now, and uh, that's a great improvement uh, within the club. And you can see it that the uh, development players can can fit in immediately into the first team. They know the moves, they know the calls, and uh, there's a at the present time we are only putting out the the one the one team between the the first team and the development team. So that gives a great opportunity for a lot of development players to play at a higher level. So uh, like uh, last uh, last Saturday evening, we uh, played Chum in the, the Carling Cup 
Uh, we came out the wrong side of an arrow in. It was a, an extremely well-contested game, played in great conditions. Uh, there was only one point in the in the difference going into with 10 minutes to play. But uh, Chum uh, went out uh, uh, worthy winners uh, in, in the end of the day. But that means now that uh, Craig's in a uh, week's time uh, will travel to play Dunmore in the semi-final of the of the Cali Cup. And um, Chum will play uh, uh, Galway University uh, in, in the other semi-finals. So uh, that will be a good game. Uh, Dunmore have been doing very well. Dunmore have have a lot of... Uh, players in that would have played uh, their rugby um, uh, maybe uh, across the world uh, have a lot of uh, players from South Africa from different parts of the of, of Europe as well so uh, they, they are going to be a very strong side now and it'll be um, a big ask for for Craig's up in up in Dunmore uh, uh, in in a week's time, so you know that's that that's what it's all about to get uh, good rugby at this time of the year and uh, to know what we have to do when the the league gets gets up and rolling. And I suppose you, you just mentioned there about the, the game against Toom, uh, you know that they came out on the wrong side, but there, there there's a lot of positives I'm sure uh, to come from that game, even though they lost. But uh, so, what would you say would have been the the learnings from that that they can improve on ahead of the next game? Well, I suppose the the big thing is that we were we 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 played uh, Chum probably without any of our first team backs, and um, the like we will have all our first team backs and that they're back for the league. Uh, hopefully, we will have some of them back for the semi final against uh, Dunmore, and it's great to, great credit to to see the likes of Mark Brandon at forty years of age. Uh, uh, play playing uh, playing on on the first team and there and uh, playing exceptionally well and uh, you know all all credit to him for continuing to to play the game. So you had you know um, between young and old you had uh, you know good combination out uh, uh, last Saturday evening. But there will be a lot of changes in that team as it goes and and. Uh, uh, the the a lot of the lads that are helping out from the development squad will 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 fall back into the development team, and that's uh, uh, that that will um, uh, mean that you know we'll be putting out two two uh, strong teams, and a lot of these lads now that have played uh, a couple of games with the first team that will help them going back into the second team again, and it means that if we have injuries on the first team. That they would be able to slot in uh, well into in into the first team at any particular stage during the season, and uh, that brings us on nicely to uh, Connacht as well. And uh, you know, obviously they're they're missing a they're missing a few of the lads for, from Conlon from from Connacht as well. Um, but uh, you know, I'm sure there's still preparations going on for the start of the URC, isn't there? There is. They're playing a number of friendlies and that there that. Yeah, friendlies against the other provinces, and they're out against Munster this weekend. And you know, it's um, it's it's a continual uh, flow of of playing um, different, you know, different teams. They're they're training they're training away, and it's great to see um, you know the that the kind of lads that did go forward to the to the Irish team and that they're doing well. And you know, it shows too that they, these. Um, uh, 
lads and uh, what we're doing in college um, is 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 uh, is good for for Irish rugby as well. So it's uh, you know it's it's important that we continue to develop players uh, within college and hopefully that they will continue and a number of them to uh, wear the green shirt of Ireland as well. So you know it looks good. It looks good at kind of at, at kind of rugby level at the present time. And of course, not to forget our friends in the AIL as well. Obviously, uh, Carrick Rugby Club, uh, Sligo, and of course uh, Buccaneers, and indeed Galway Corinthians and Galwegians and all those teams as well. Um, they're con- they're they're continuing their their business as well. And of course, uh, your your great old rivals as well, Connemara. Yeah, they. Uh... We we had the the league final um, in in Sligo uh, last Saturday between uh, Buccaneers and Sligo. Um, Sligo came out on top in 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 that game. Uh, they, had a, they had a good win against uh, uh, Buccaneers. Buccaneers were missing a, a number of players, so uh, Sligo would go on to represent uh, Connacht in the, in the Bateman Cup uh, against Terenure. So it's great for Sligo uh, Rugby Club and. Uh, Needless to say, they had good celebrations after they they they, they won the league on, on Saturday, and their second team also won in the Coral Cup as well. So all all good going in uh, Ireland. So uh, the same in Buccaneers, they they have done the twenty side out. They have a lot of uh, uh, youth sides out as well. So um, they they will be ready now for uh, their first team to and Sligo to win to the AIL, haven't haven't played. And tried out a number of players in in, in the Connacht kind of League. So again, at Carrick and Shannon level, Carrick continues to play a number of friendlies. Uh, their their youth is up and running on mini rugby, and again, a lot of good work uh, going, going on in in um, Carrick and Shannon Rugby Club. And as you mentioned, uh, Galwegians and um, Corinthians played it uh, last weekend as well, and Corinthians came out on top in 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 that game. So they. Will be third in the in in that particular league, and Connemara uh, Connemara has, has still um, to you know they're uh, they're again they're just getting the season up and running. They have other commitments probably there with with Gaelic and whatever, so they didn't enter a team into the into the College Cup uh, this year. So we wait and see. As you know, they'll be still about when the league comes around, and they'll be as Connemara. They're they're always a hard team to to beat and um, but there's great there's great rivalry and uh, uh, in the right way between um, Craig's and Connemara. And of course that 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 rivalry is what brings out the best in both teams as well. Absolutely, you know they they have been very close uh, uh, over the last number of years. Uh, we have won some, they have too. Uh, they have probably won more than we have, but like we we have. Got on, got on top last year by winning the league, and you know that that has been great for the the club and Craig's, and hopefully that we we can do it again this year, win back to back in 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 the league, and we will uh, if all the players are are fit and bad, we should have a, a good strong team again uh, this season. And of course, that brings us on to the exciting times for the Irish rugby team, uh, like we more or less said uh, last weekend. Uh, a predicted win, uh, another great win. Well, a very, a very convincing win uh, for for this Ireland team. Unfortunately, Finlay Beal and the 
I think he he misses out on the, the South Africa game with a HIA. He's having a HIA, so I think he he misses out. Uh, but I think uh, apart from Finlay Beelan, we're, we're not too bad uh, injury wise. Yeah, um, Ireland Ireland played exceptionally well against uh, Tonga. They were slow to they were slow to start, but uh, once they once they got into the game, uh, they 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 played uh, uh, absolutely fantastic rugby. Uh, Tonga, Tonga had no answer to uh, to Ireland, uh, and once the Ireland up up the the uh, momentum in the game. So again, um, we we look forward uh, to the uh, uh, game at the weekend with uh, South Africa, and you know it's uh, fantastic to see uh, the two kind of players that um, the start in the team of uh, Bondiaki and uh, Matt Hansen having uh, tremendous games um, uh, and particularly you know Bundy really was the man of the match in the last two games he's he's on fire at the moment and let's hope that he will bring that into uh, the game on Saturday against uh, uh, with, with um, uh, South Africa and uh, as you mentioned Phelan uh, 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 had to go off um, the field uh, in concussion uh, he is going through the protocols now that a uh, player has to go through in the professional level uh, for to see whether he will be uh, fit to play or not uh, uh, to maybe take his place on the subs bench at the weekend. But if he doesn't pass that, uh, uh, Tom O'Toole from Ulster will probably come into the, the on the subs bench. But we'll, we'll just wait and see how 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 that develops uh, uh, during during the the week. That's it, and of course, I suppose that that leaves us looking ahead now to the big match itself. I suppose the the the, um, the, the group defining game for Ireland is uh, the South Africa game, really. And look, we, as well, it has to be said, Scotland are a very tough side. Now they've improved hugely, and they're they're a very hard tough team to beat as well. But you'd have to kind of put, in all fairness, you'd have to put um, uh, South Africa ahead of them, and it's not going to be an easy game. But it, I mean, if if they can keep, if Ireland can keep up that momentum, there's no reason why they can't beat the All Blacks. The warm up games are over now, uh, Aidan. They, they, you know, they had a number of warm up games there during the summer, and uh, they had uh, two two easy enough games already in the World Cup. So. Yeah, Saturday's game is the big game. Uh, this is the this is the real one that uh, at Test Rugby, you know, the the top two teams were in against the world champions in South Africa. They're a, a very uh, strong physical side, so Ireland will definitely have to be on their game uh, on on Saturday uh, to to defeat them. There there will be very little in the game. There is some contest up front now between in the in the forward battle, but in the scrums, uh, uh, malls and rooks, and uh, and also the line outs. So it could be a very interesting battle, and then to see how how the back line goes. That we we will have to try and get quick ball to uh, to Johnny Sexton and to get our back line uh, going. That's how they have have played and played very well in in getting the ball moving to the wings as as quickly as possible. So. Let's hope they can do that against uh, South Africa um, on Saturday. But you know, there's big games, and uh, you know, don't write off Scotland either. Like that, that is that is definitely going to be another big game for Ireland. But let's let's not talk ahead of ourselves. We 
we we take one game at a time as they as the old saying goes and we'd worry we'd worry about South Africa on, on, on Saturday now and see see if we come out the right side of it. Take it from there. And that that's a game you're going to your, going to yourself. So we'll have a great report from you next week on that on that game. Uh, uh, an eye in the sky on that one. That'll be that'll be a great one, a close up view for you. So um yeah, so look at uh, it's going to be a tough game, but if Ireland, uh, you know, if Ireland, yeah. But that, that's actually another point we were saying about Finlay Bealham. Um, who, who do you think, uh, who, who's going to get, come in to replace him in the team? Yeah, it'd be Tom O'Toole would, would probably be the next uh, in line from, from Munster to yeah. take, take, over, take over that position. You know, so, we, yeah, sure. It's uh, Hopefully, Finlay Bealham had been playing exceptionally well. It's unfortunate if he's going to lose out, Zarda, uh, uh, but we're, no risk will be taken. Uh, you know, there's there's very strict very strict rules now in in relation to concussion, and uh, he would have to go through all the protocols uh, to see whether he would be fit to play or not. And with regards to team selection for for the game as well, uh, you know, we we seen the team that lined out uh, on Saturday against uh, against Tonga. Can you foresee any other any other any changes like those changes between from the. Uh, from the uh, Romania game for the for the Tonga game, can you see many changes? Uh, because they, they played really well, even the the two teams, uh, even with the changes on both in both matches, both teams played very well. I know you can put that down to the quality of the opposition, but uh, you know this is a this is um you know a, a, a tougher test. So can you see any newer any 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 further changes apart from the Finley Beelham change change? Yeah, I, I can't see any changes in the pack. I, I'd say the pack that started against Tonga would be the the pack that will will start against uh, South Africa. Um, it's uh, a debate who starts as from half. Um, it gives a gives a part or uh, Connor Murray. That one, that one will be you know uh, a debatable one. Uh, Johnny Sexton will start at, at our half. The two centers and, and two wingers and full back will be the same. So, it, like really, at the end of the day, um, the starting team in in my book, it will it will be come down to the scrum half. And I have a I have a funny feeling that he could go with uh, Conor Murray as a result of the physicality that Conor Murray brings to the game. He probably isn't a sharper passer, but uh, he's definitely uh, he's another wing forward really um, in in there as as scrum half and. Um, uh, he, you know, he he bring the physicality to it, and that's what you will probably need uh, against uh, South Africa. So, um, whether that's what he had in mind when he when when he made that change for the the Tonga game, we'll have to wait and see on 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 his selection. And they will know best of how how they're they're performing, how they're performing in training, and uh, what what they want to bring to the game. If they want a faster ball. Uh, and the pack is on top. Uh, James Gibson Park would probably be the the player that would be picked. But if you want a man to 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 battle it out there, Conor Murray would be will will be the one that he he go for. So uh, I I you know I'm shading a little bit on the uh, towards uh, Conor Murray, considering the type of physicality of the game that we're playing against uh, uh, South Africa. And I suppose another thing that maybe people, uh, some people and critics would have said, maybe kind of cost might have cost Ireland if there were better teams, is the line out. 
Um, now they were saying on, on RT Sport there that, that was covering it that uh, you know that's a, a key part, a key part or a springboard for uh, most of our, most of Ireland's attacks. But uh, at the same time, nailed that on Saturday, didn't they? Uh, against Tonga. Yes. Yeah. So and any mistakes that they made might have made in previous ones. They everything was pristine on Saturday against Tonga. You know, it was. Yeah, yeah. Paul Connell definitely, I'd say. Uh, got got different calls and players, uh, you know, came up to it on 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 Saturday, and I have no doubt that they'll have different calls and different movements uh, for for Saturday again uh, because uh, they're a very strong, uh, tall, uh, athletic uh, team in South Africa. So they they will, you know, as I said, you will need to out out uh, muster them there in 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 a lot of ways in the pack. In, in order to get possession. So listen, thanks very much for taking the time out to do uh, uh, rugby view with us this week, and we look forward to looking back on that game next week. Thank you very much, Ian. And uh, enjoy France and the and uh, the match against uh, South Africa. I will talk to right. you. We might we might be able to link up in France or that there next week. Yeah, know. we might do. Yeah. I'm staying on. I'm staying on out there, but oh, not so bad. Yeah, yeah, we can, <clears> do, we can do that. That would be. See how how our link how our link works across the sea, you know. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Test it out a bit. Uh, thanks yeah. very much. And that was uh, that was Adrian Letty from Craig's Rugby Time Rugby Club and myself talking about all things rugby. Hello, everyone. How are you doing? And you're very welcome to this, the first edition of uh, Futsal Profile with myself, Aidan Raftery. And, uh, of course, joining us, he's a, a coach of uh, Blue Magic and uh, the Ireland ladies team. And as well as the Irish uh, Futsal Academy, and that's Cena. Hello, Cena. How are you? Are you well? How's things? Hello. Yeah. All good. All good. Good to have you on board. Good to have you on board. And I suppose we'll uh, to kick to kick it off with we'll uh, just just to get a bit about your background and uh, I suppose how you got how you got involved in futsal. Obviously, look at it's uh, a really well grown sport uh, around the world, and it's really getting uh, getting a hold in in Ireland as well. There's a lot of teams teams up in Dublin, and it's uh, you know there's a lot of international teams. Obviously, you know UEFA competitions as well. So it's really grown, and it's it's a great sport and. It's it's a great way of getting fit. Of course it is. Of course, for me, the most beautiful game in the world. So there is no better sport than futsal. But uh, maybe I'm biased. <laughs> a little bit about my background. I was born in former Yugoslavia. Uh, today's Bosnia uh, came to Ireland 20 years ago, maybe even longer. Still, it doesn't mean that I will not make any grammar mistakes oh, during right. this interview. Let's see, let's see how it goes. So, uh, over there in former Yugoslavia, in all Balkans, actually, futsal would be a very popular sport. Uh, in our PE system, actually, in our, in our school system, all, all handball would be very popular, and uh, futsal court would be the same as a handball court, 40 by 20 meters. So, I'm coming from Banja Luka, Banja Luka is maybe not not that big, two hundred thousand people, cities, but uh, it would have between fifteen and twenty primary schools, and each primary school would have a full forty by twenty outside court. It's a hard surface, uh, concrete usually, and would also have an indoor. Maybe not every primary school would have a full indoor court, but it would have an indoor court. Uh, as I said, uh, handball, basketball, everything is done through our 
primary school education system. And then during the summer months, when there is a break in school, all these 15 or 20 outside courts would be available for public use. It wouldn't be under the lock back then. That's it. And I suppose, you know, that that's kind of key, getting them when, when they're in school and, you know, when they're really young in, uh, in primary school, because that's cause when they're kind of more open so, to uh, said, developing. Yes, yes. And uh, it, it's it's very popular during the summer nights, very popular outside. So 15, 20 courts in a city of 200,000 people, you, you would really need to get there early and hope that you will get your chance to play. So you, you, what we often did as teenagers, we would travel from one court to another until we find a suitable slot. And then if you lose one match, you are done for that evening. So you would try to to go to to find another pitch. So it's, it's a very popular and we all grew up playing this sport. Later, obviously, uh, futsal in, evolved a lot. Uh, FIFA and UEFA took over it. It's the only five-a-side football format that is recognized by both FIFA and UEFA. So for these reasons, we have World Cups in futsal, we have a European Cup, we have a Champions League, we have domestic leagues. So it's it's a very popular sport. And I suppose from the point of view as well, like I, I've been involved with, um, I suppose, Ireland senior six-a-side squad. Um, you know, that's kind of an outdoor version of of uh, futsal, I suppose. Um, the, the Ireland diabetic futsal squad, um, and obviously Sparta Belfast as well, another team you probably know. Uh, we, we mutually know, uh, I suppose, we both know, um, you know, we, we both know kind of Emir and Dario and, of course, Drezan and Aruna as well. Uh, you know, they're all very good and they played a huge part in, uh, you know, bringing it tired. But I suppose that, you know, you just said how brilliant a sport it is, as it is from an inclusion point of view in that, you know, we say in 11 aside, there's only, we say, five, four or five subs allowed to bring on. But in futsal, it's roll on, roll off. And that's that means that everyone can get a, everyone can get a game throughout the throughout a match. Isn't that it? That's it. Yeah. So for, for that reason, it's it's you you know, you, you'll be back on the pitch many times. Uh, you, you give your best for two, three, four minutes. You come out to catch a breath and then you are back on the pitch. And also, uh, even though we do have fixed positions, uh, on the pitch in futsal, you you can't just say I'm a defender and not to participate in attacking, or I'm a winger, or I'm a striker, or pivot. In, in futsal case, you you need to know all the roles within the team. You need to know importance of each position, and you should be able to perform, not maybe equally, but you should be able to perform all these uh, specific roles to 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 a certain extent. I know all the people that you mentioned, Darius, Amir, Drajan, and everybody. The futsal community in Ireland is small, and Northern Ireland, I, I, I would know a futsal community all over the world, to be honest. But especially here, where I've been living for past twenty years. Uh, so I suppose when when you look at it, how it's grown in Ireland, um, it, it must be lovely to kind of see the part you're all playing, Amir, and like I just said, uh, Dario yourself. Uh, Aruna as well, who are, who's with uh, Dario, and of course, um, you know uh, Aruna as well. And uh, I suppose it, it's spreading over now. There's a, a league in Athlone as well, and uh, but it, it's huge in um, it's it's huge in uh, Dublin. And I mean, you know, you're the the coach of um, 
The, you know, I mentioned the three teams you're involved with now. Could you take us a, a bit, tr- take us through that as, as well? Yes, uh, uh, on, on a club senior level, I've been involved with uh, Blue Magic Futsal Club for past three and a half years. Uh, Blue Magic, well-recognized name in futsal in Ireland, and the last four years representing Ireland in the Champions League, which means uh, we won the Irish League and then after that FAI Cup, and we were able to represent Ireland in UEFA Champions League on four occasions. With me, uh, Blue Magic had their success before I joined the club as well. It's important to mention. Uh, last last four years, uh, we traveled to, to various countries, uh, North Macedonia, Estonia, Montenegro, and last one was in Greece. We we, we just came back about a month ago. Uh, good experience. Uh, uh, club is as professional as it can be. I know in a title, it's called an amateur club, like many of the football clubs, even in Ireland, would be called, but we try to do our best and we try to act as professional as as we can. And especially when we go abroad, we try to represent Ireland in the best possible way. Uh, unfortunately, the, the this year we didn't manage to progress from the group stage. It's a very difficult path coming from from a country like Ireland, the, the league coefficient is not that high and we have to, to face very difficult Opponents, we are usually coming from the lower pots, and only one team progresses from the group. So this year, that was Doka's uh, hosts from Greece. Uh, they won their all three matches, but uh, it's worth to mention that Blue Magic uh, got historical four points in the group this year, which means we 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 beat uh, English side Bloomsbury. 5-0, and we drew with the Moldovan sides to all both of these teams. Would probably, maybe Bloomsbury would be as as highly ranked as us when it comes to UEFA coefficient, but uh, to, to be able to compete with Moldova. And in the last game, we went into the last match with the chance of, with the hope that if we beat uh, home team Dokas, that is a professional team, that we would progress to the next round. It didn't happen, but we did very well. And it's important to mention that we represent the club and country to the highest possible standards. The the FAI gets reports after from UEFA and they are always positive. And this is this is the best that we can do at the moment. Of course, we are working very hard and we are trying to improve every year. And I can say that we go to the Champions League 10 or 20% improved compared to the previous year, but still it's not enough. I think our as you mentioned, sport is growing, uh, especially about the Dublin area. But uh, domestic league is something that we need to 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 have a competitive games, to have better structured clubs, to somebody who would challenge Blue Magic and possibly beat Blue Magic in the final. And we need this because the clubs that we face in the Champions League have these kind of matches uh, week in, week out. And we only have these kind of matches once per year or never. When we go to Champions League, we are pushed outside of our limits. Here, we need more competitive games, more competitive teams, and, and, and better domestic league, if we want to make a significant result in Europe. It's similar to football clubs, uh, so there is no need to explain. 
Yeah, more. and I suppose really, you know, if you're aspiring to, to play football, whichever code, obviously there's different codes of, of uh, football, uh, futsal being the main, but it, it is a great stepping stone because I think if you can if you can get used to the skills and master the skills of football, futsal, then, you know, if you go on and play 11 aside or 6 aside or whatever, I think you, you have you have a great skill base when you play other sports because I suppose it's all about, you know, an 11 aside, if, if you have the skills from from uh, from uh, futsal, you know, you're in tight space, as we say, in a, in eleven aside, you can get out, you can get out of it, and you know it's a, you have quick, you have the footwork, I suppose, as well, which is essential, and so it is a good basis for whatever code you go on to, and I think, you know, it's a good foundation, and of course, you know, it starts as you said up in in um, you know, at schools level or you know, at youth level, underage level, and work your way up to work work its way up to adult. And um, you know it's it is great in Dublin, and of course you know another team, a few teams there that I mentioned, Dario, Dario and Arun are involved with um, World United. Um, Amir is involved with uh, Spart with Contar uh, Vi- Vikings. Uh, you know all these teams. It's it's great to see it, and yourselves as well at Blue Magic. Um, you know, so I suppose the rivalry when when you're meeting them. Is is good, but it's it's not a, a dangerous or a bad rivalry. It's just a rivalry that makes it, makes each team better. And of course, like just mentioning um, those lads as well. Your, your your experience of Dario and Aruna and that, and um, you know that they're, they're great lads. Amir as well. Um, they're all they're all they're all great coaches. I know Amir from the the Six Aside squad in the 2018. He's been um, he's a great he was a great leader on the pitch and. Uh, you know, you can see that. You know, all his experience when he's uh, when he's coaching as well. I suppose much the same as yourself and uh, Dario as well. He was in charge of uh, Sparta Belfast. I was the uh, the physio with with them as well when they went to uh, the UEFA Futsal Champions League preliminary round in twenty twenty one. So it's it, it's all huge and it's great experience that you know when you're playing in when you're playing in uh, these UEFA competitions. You can bring that back to your own league, and then, like when you go to future, when you play in future UEFA UEFA competitions as well, it's it's essential. Of course, uh, every every goal in UEFA is important for 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 our countries. As I said, small country, uh, not highly ranked when it comes. So every goal adds up when it comes to a coefficient for the next season. So if it's Blue Magic or Sparta or whoever is representing Ireland in UEFA, it's very important that we do as well. So next year, it's maybe easier path for a team, for any team to get there. When you mention all these coaches, yeah, we know each other. Uh, I actually coached Amir for a year. He, he he was still playing, but my, my futsal career was finished by then. So we are very, very good friends outside of the pitch. We are trying to help each other. Me and I, I'm in da- contact with Dario, with Amir nearly every day. And with other coaches over Ireland and and futsal community in general, it's very good across Europe and and the world. It's not a, it's not as toxic maybe to use that word as a football. There is not that much money in it, so it's probably the reason why why I find a futsal community being very nice and coaches are very helpful to each other when it comes to sharing the materials, ideas, new ideas. Somehow we we always say futsal. 
trying to do our best. When you mentioned the skills and the things that you develop while playing, while, while futsal is a sport in its own uh, right, it also serves football uh, a big way. Uh, in a big way, we, we all know that uh, players who, who who come from futsal and there there is a greater uh, pressure and limited space, limited time to react. Once you develop these skills in a what I call the jungle hostile environment. Once you go to a bigger pitch, you 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 think you have a loads of space and loads of time. Uh, speaking to many of of my colleagues, including uh, Spanish national team uh, futsal coach uh, manager Vidal, he we we were talking a lot about futsal and football, and he said uh, the moment that futsal was introduced into primary. PE education in schools in Spain, and that was 1998. Few years after, we got Iniesta, Xavi, Busquets, and, and guys like these who who came to play in the arguably the best football team ever that Barcelona was at, the, at that stage. So it came through the PE physical education in primary schools when futsal where futsal was introduced and futsal is huge in Spain and even in Balkans when we say that kids are playing soccer and training soccer that means probably until they are 15 or 16 years old they spend a lot of time doing futsal actually or if they are playing on artificial grass like you, you mentioned the six aside national team there would be small sided games so it would be nothing like 11 aside so the, the huge uh, focus is on skills uh, freedom as many touches as they can and uh, because we don't have this uh, culture anymore uh, look all, all the biggest Irish football players uh, who who finish their careers now some of them work as pundits uh, you you can hear often from them that all they learned about skills and they footballing skills were from the streets they were playing they come back from the school they go on the street they play street soccer street football uh, we don't have that anymore. So futsal is uh, something that it's uh, supervised street football. What's what, what street football was back then? Now futsal would be supervised. Futsal involved a lot, uh, uh, and uh, it's a very good tool to develop these skills that twenty years ago maybe were developed on the on the streets. And of course, as well as that, I suppose from a refereeing point of view. Um, if you if you want to be a referee in uh, in futsal, it is it is very technical for a referee, um, and how he goes about it. Plus, I suppose um, the referee is on the sideline as well, isn't he? As opposed to being be, being on the pitch, and there, there's uh, there's one linesman one end of the pitch on one side, and then on the other side down the other side. So that's the way it's done. So it, it's a, it's a very technical game to referee as well, isn't it? So you'd have to be you'd have to be very tuned in for uh, for the skills as well. And of course, the goalkeeper um, is a fly goalkeeper as well, so he he can come out, and that that kind of makes it makes him one of the key players as well because. He has to. He has to know. You have to be able to read the game, know when to be on the line, and get back onto your goal. But knowing when when you can push it and come out, and maybe even go into the opposition half. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so evolution of futsal is 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 crazy. Futsal is growing so fast, especially when it comes to tech to to tactical elements. Uh, it's a very technical and tactical game. 
and involvement of a goalkeeper. Last few years, we see expansion in that. But we also see this in, in football. Nearly, the, regardless of how good goalkeeper you are these days, and you want to play, if you want to play in the biggest clubs in the world, you have to be good on, uh, with your feet as well. Not just one, but both. Uh, we can see now that you know all, all these big teams, Man City, the majority of the uh, of the teams, even in the Premiership, they have a Brazilian goalkeepers or goalkeepers who are good on their feet. When it comes to futsal, this is also a must. Last few years, I don't, I can't remember a single serious European or or world team club or country that that goalkeepers wouldn't be able to to join the attack if needed. And it's not as simple as it looks. There, there. Once you have this option, uh, tactically the game. Uh, the the futsal evolution is is very fast, and there is always something new to see. Um, personally, myself, uh, even though I'm a UEFA qualified futsal coach, I go twice twice a year at least. I go to different futsal seminars, uh, uh, mainly in Europe, Italy, or Spain, uh, with the best futsal coaches in the world. They they come there, they gather, they they organize futsal clinics, and every year. Uh, the amount of information that that we get, new stuff that 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 happened in futsal in the past six months or a year, it, it's crazy how fast sport is changing, and how hard you need to work as a player or as a coach to be up to date. And of course, that brings you mentioned up. referees as well. Yeah, exactly. Referees, <laughs> just a, just a quick point for for referees. Uh, we have lots of transitions coming from football to referee the, the futsal matches. And it, it, it is very difficult to come from football and referee six aside or five aside, but not futsal, five aside football match. It would be easier. It's more uh, related maybe to, to football. It's slower. It's not as as tactical as futsal. Futsal, uh, being a referee. I also did a refereeing course few years ago just to, to to be able to see the game from from referee's point of view and it's it's so fast it's unbelievable how how you don't have time to think when when you are a referee to you know decisions are same same for the players on the pitch you you really have a split second to make a decision and it's it's very 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 dynamic and exciting sport to watch even and uh, that brings us on to another team that you coach, the Ireland uh, ladies team as well. Yes, I'm a manager of uh, Ireland national ladies deaf team. So, uh, sorry, I should have mentioned that. <laughs> no, no worries, no worries. Uh, another great experience for me. Uh, completely different experience. I've been involved now for a year. I would say. Uh, as a manager and head coach of this team, completely different experience. Being involved in futsal for more than twenty years, I, I thought I knew everything about it, about coaching and about the game. But this was something uh, very challenging for me, especially when when I took over the group, which was in uh, July last year. Uh, we were preparing for a Euro Cup that was held in Italy uh, in October last year. So. Uh, Obviously, I, I I don't speak sign language, so the communication is completely different. Uh, coaching women, some of them very young girls, 15, 16, maybe one or two of them. Uh, the others are coming from different sports. Some of them played football football on a 
quite competitive and high level here in Ireland. Some of them are still playing. So uh, it, it was a great challenge. Uh, we went to Italy. We end up being fifth in Europe, which uh, was a great result and great achievement. Uh, and also, we by achieving this result, we qualified for the World Cup, which is being held in Sao Paulo, Brazil, in November. In about six weeks, we are going to represent Ireland in the Futsal World Cup. So this this is in in Sao Paulo. So what, what can you say? You know, Brazil and South America are 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 countries where futsal started and football. So going in in, in Brazil, not to not to watch a World Cup, but to be a participant in in this, it's a it's a huge thing for me. And of course, it's a testament to the girls and the hard work they put in, but also the hard work you put in as a coach. And, you know, with those two things combined, and I suppose, you know, between training and playing matches, that's the key, that's the key to how you've been so successful today. To get into of this. Course, of course, yeah. Look, my, my last, as I said, 20 years, I've been coaching futsal actively or or trying to uh, actually I, I established my first club here Klontar Vikings that you mentioned that Emir is, is in charge of now I established this club uh, I don't know now how many years ago but uh, of course girls are working very hard it's a pity that we don't have a futsal league for women in Ireland it's something that maybe FAI or whoever might be interested in should uh, establish and we should con- uh, for, for girls again it's very difficult they are coming from football and uh, hurling Gaelic backgrounds they are they are proper athletes they train very hard and we practice futsal we train futsal we try to organize friendly matches again Northern Ireland is very helpful we travel there they come to us there are few actually Brazilian teams here in in women's Brazilian futsal teams in Dublin the Brazilian community is huge here and they once they come here, they look for a social socializing and futsal for them. It's it's a great way to socialize. So we managed to play a couple of friendlies against uh, Brazilian sites as well in, in in order to prepare for the World Cup. World Cup, mm. what, what what can you say? That the biggest possible uh, achievement in 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 sport, in football, in futsal. We are going to to go there. We. Uh, we have in our group we have England. England were the champions in Italy, so we we are playing against the European champions, and uh, we have Japan and uh, Ethiopia, if I'm not wrong. And then uh, there they are there are big names such as Brazil, Argentina, Germany, Spain, always there, as, as you can imagine. So it's very very. I, I really want to to mention the the uh commitment by few people who who are working really hard you know ben uh, ben who is in charge of of uh, deaf futsal national team when it comes to organization and and everything he's been involved for a long time and all all girls i mean um, amazing amazing commitment to to fight to train not to give up even when we are underdogs when we are not favorites they are coming to training sessions we are practicing very hard interpreter is there to try to you know translate my ideas it's a very 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 challenging and very uh, difficult uh, task for me personally but i think since i took over the 
uh, Ireland national women deaf team that have grown so much as a coach and as a person. It, it's a really great experience. That's it. And finally, to, to bring us on to uh, another strand of, of your career, which is the Ireland uh, Futsal Academy that you have established. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yes, after so many years of uh, <laughs> being in futsal and uh, after so many years of hesitation, thinking would I be able to do this or not, I finally got everything in order and I I think I'm ready to embrace this another challenge. Irish Futsal Academy is my own project that I'm just starting now. I just registered everything, still waiting on some papers to, to, to come from revenue, from all these uh, uh, offices that I, I, I want to do everything properly. So Irish Futsal Academy, something that will give opportunity to kids any age and any ability to try to, to play futsal. Uh, my hope is that from my own experience, there is no not many people who tried to play futsal and didn't like it. So I hope that I will get as many kids as possible to fall in love with this beautiful sport and and this maybe could become their major sport, their 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 only sport, or even as a tool development for football. So what I'm going to focus with my academy, it's four or five things that my my three to five years plan is obviously I would like this academy to grow and become bigger than Dublin and go all, all over the island and let's see why not. I, I know that I will work very hard on it. My five five things that I would like to focus uh, on uh, is uh, providing an extra uh, training session to football clubs. So if kids, let's say under 10, are training Mondays and Fridays in, in their local football clubs, I would offer an extra training session on Wednesday where, kid, where kids would be playing futsal. So this would be one one of the key things for the academy and for those clubs, for kids to develop this individual technique and all this that we talked about in the first part of the interview, something that we are missing on the streets. These kids, if they're training two times per week, or in some cases even once per week, they don't have this opportunity to go back home or to play on the streets and, and try to uh, express themselves and try to master these skills. If they come once or twice per week to play football, uh, and we all know the weather in Ireland can be very bad and pitches are not in the best possible shape, kids don't have opportunity to practice and master their skills. So what our academy or my academy would offer is the perfect environment to to express yourself, to to try to do things that you wouldn't be doing uh, maybe on the football pitch when you are strictly guided by by the coach. Uh, second thing also is I would like to to establish my own academy team where only kids who who are not participating in football or any other sport that that, that futsal would be their their key sport and sport number one. This is something that I would like to do. My ultimate goal would be to bring futsal into primary schools as a either part of PE or after-school activities. I have two daughters uh, up to this year. They were both in primary schools and after-school activities, such as drama, musical instruments, and things like that. This, they, they tried it all. Why not futsal? So maybe uh, here, every or majority of primary schools would have, would have their indoor halls or facilities where maybe 
we could educate PE teachers, or I could come and provide these training sessions for kids. I know once they try it, they would love it. No weather issues, mm -hmm. uh, safe environment. Another thing I would like to provide, uh, I would like to organize futsal tournaments and leagues for underage categories to organize uh, camps, summer camps, Easter camps, thing, things like these. And the last one is I would like to provide a futsal seminar for coaches to, to educate football coaches about this, uh, to maybe underage coaches that would come. We could, we could do a specialized subjects on how to improve kids' individual techniques and tactics and things like this. So th this is my big plan for next, let's say, five years. But uh, I would like to start slowly and I would like to do everything legally and uh, prof in a professional manner. I have my helpers, uh, people who I worked with for the last six, seven years. One of them is my goalkeeper coach and assistant coach in Blue Magic. His name is Sebastian. So Seba has been with me for a long time. Um, the other guy, Igor from Croatia, all our coaches are certified. Seba has a FAIC license in futsal. Igor has a C license in football. He's uh, they, they've all played futsal for a long time on a highest possible level that Ireland could offer. So I have a good group of people that is behind me and we have uh, big dreams and we will try to uh, infect Ireland with the futsal virus, if this is the correct <laughs> that's uh, it. That's a good terminology. And I suppose uh, the, the great thing about it is, like like all sports, I think, uh, you know, especially for kids and to keep them interested in, is it, you know, it has to be fun. And But also, I suppose, from a parent's point of view, that they know that the kids can go there, have fun, make friends. And from, a, as I said, a parent's point of view, they're in a safe environment. That's key for for both the kids and for the parents that they know that they, you know, that they're with, the kids are with someone like yourself that will look out for them and make sure that everyone is okay and that the kids feel safe as well. You're 100% correct. Being a parent of two daughters, uh, I know my, my daughters do all sorts of sports uh, and uh, first thing is you, after a first training session, if they try something new, you ask, how was it? Was it fun? Did you enjoy it? Was it safe? And then th these are the key points. And kids, as you said, they want to have fun. Uh, with futsal, uh, as many touches as they want. If I have 15 kids in my training session, we start training session with 15 balls. So it's it's so many touches on the balls, something that they can't get in football. So they, they really love it. It's a heart rate goes through the roof, they are learning, they are fighting, they are enjoying it. Also, their their confidence as well um, improves, and their their development, uh, both both Massive. as a player, but also as a person as well. They, they they're all key things as well. Of course, these are these are exactly exactly. They need to 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 learn how to deal with with pressure, with success, with failure. All these life skills are as important as and, and you learn all this. As I said, it's a very social sport. Uh, each member of the team it's very is very important because you you are not there to sit on the bench you are there to hop onto the pitch play give your best absolute absolute best rest come back so you are you are a key player you're a key player all the time and you know to, you need to know all the roles it, it, futsal pays a big uh, attention to roles on the pitch 
approach and to shape of the team. But in order to to understand what striker needs to do, even if you are a defender, you have to end up in this position at some many in many occasions during the game and during the training session so that you see how it looks from from over there and that's why keepers are so good as well because keeper play with their feet they enter the field often when they can so they they know how players are feeling they can anticipate what is the dangerous when player is going to lose the ball maybe his own teammate so he needs to be ready to react and then all this can be transferred to 11 aside later that's it, and it's great, and it's very, it's very interesting. And just, just a, a, a little thing as well. Just, a, just, just a, a proposal. There is, uh, you know, maybe, maybe we could, we could do kind of regular interviews as well. And I know, like, you're going to the World Cup with the, the Ireland Ladies Deaf Team as well, and you know, Blue Magic, and uh, of course the Academy. So we, we could do maybe regular updates. And um, you know, obviously, I can send you the links for them, and you can you can share them as well. And as I say, spread the gospel of uh, of your uh, of your foot foot the different projects that you have as well. So uh, yeah, if that 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 would be great if that's all right with yourself. That would be perfect. I would be very grateful for that. Our 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 league here, AUL Futsal League, is starting next week. So Blue Magic is back in action after five weeks of. of not playing futsal since we came back from UEFA Champions League. Uh, so we can have a regular updates on, on on that one. As I said, in six weeks, I'm traveling to Brazil. I'll be there for two weeks. Once I come back, we can chat about this. And I hope that by this time, my academy will kick off and that I will be able to tell you uh, great news that I have 10, 20, 30, 40 kids of different ages and abilities falling in love with futsal and playing futsal in my academy on a regular basis. That's great. Well, pleasure, yeah. pleasure to share this news with you and to give you regular updates. That's great. And uh, th- thanks very much for uh, taking the time out. And of course, I'd like to wish you and uh, Blue Magic and uh, the Ireland uh, Futsal Ladies Team, uh, Deaf Team, and of course, uh, the project that you have there, the Irish Futsal Academy, I'd like to wish you, wish you and all the players in all those three things all the best and uh, the very best of luck in the World Cup. And we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you very much, and thank you very much for this opportunity. We will talk again soon. No problem. Thanks very much. And uh, that was Cena, a coach with um, Spart with uh, Blue Magic, the the um, Blue with Blue Magic, and also the Ireland foot the Ireland Ladies Futsal Deaf Team, and also the Ireland Futsal Academy. Hello, everyone. How are you doing? You're very welcome to this week's. Uh, last word of Formula One, and to take us through all things Formula One, as always, we have the Wexford, the, the Wexford Formula One expert, Michael O'Grady. Hello, Michael. How are you? Are you well? I, I'm not too bad, as you can see. I'm in my car at the minute. It's very hard to get into Suzuka here tonight. It's just it's packed up completely. So I said I'd just pull over and I do the show while I'm still in the car. Can't you get to the to, hotel you you to... yourself. I was just telling you off air, you'll, you'll just have to get a bigger Bugatti Vera. Well, I don't know how you got to the hotel so quick. You must, you must have got in early or something. Uh, I know people who know people. I'm a man not without influence, you know, so that's, that's me. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a man without influence, not. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, hidden lessons there. So, yeah, so... Uh, plenty, to, well, looking... plenty to talk about. Uh, we're... Um, we're going to be looking back at the Singapore yeah. Grand Prix and looking ahead to the That's Japanese it. Grand Prix. So um, now we did we made a bit on J- Japan last week. 
week, but we'll cover it again because it is this weekend, as I say. We'll cover a wee bit on it again. Andy, Singapore Grand Prix, what do you think the biggest story was? Well, it was basically how bad Red Bull did. <laughs> That's something you don't hear that often. <laughs> I have a quote here from Lando Norris. When I watched Verstappen's onboard camera yesterday, I kind of laughed because I've never seen a car that bad before. <laughs> you don't hear too often uh, at all. it was absolutely awful from the second they hit practice uh, uh, in on practice for practice session one everyone knew what's wrong with the car there's something going on both of them were abysmally slow absolutely dreadfully slow all over the shop really to be quite honest with you they were having severe hardship with rear traction and then when they were catching up the cars in the front of them suddenly they were having problems with front traction now it seems there was a statement put out by Red Bull and they did say yes the Singapore Grand Prix does not suit their car. Now, pardon me for being a bit of a, you know, conspiracy theorist, but there's not suiting your car and, oh my God, what just happened? And I think they fell into the second category. Right. <laughs> I mean, in qualifying, qualifying you had, what, um, Sergio Perez in 13th and Max Verstappen in 11th. They didn't even get into Q1. Um, I was absolutely just incredible really you know it was just absolutely terrible they just seemed to be chasing the grip in one direction and chasing the grip in the next direction car wouldn't no now when i say the car wouldn't go around corners in the car they're still not slow don't get me wrong i mean when you say a formula one car is slow yeah that that that's it's like a cheetah on steroids you know it's right, still okay. pretty quick <laughs> pretty quick but um compared to the rest of their cars it was just it was just awful. It's it's actually their worst qualifying on merit, not including breakdowns or problems with the cars or anything like that. But their 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 worst qualifying on merit since two thousand and eight. That is this this statistic you don't hear. And to be honest with you, Red Bull, well, being so far behind, you don't really hear either. But everyone yeah. made hay while the sun shine, and Ferrari put themselves on first place. Ferrari are are they on a bit of a roll? Um, last last race they were a bit the same they were very up there in front and they were quite competitive they were never going to take the Red Bulls but they made it quite difficult for them you know coming in with a third and a fourth here yeah Carlos signs first and Charles Leclerc third after qualifying now there is a bit of a strategy going on with Ferrari but we'll we come back to that in a minute with uh, George Russell in second Lando Norris in fourth and uh, Lewis Hamilton in fifth. Now, uh, hands up everybody who thought there was going to be a Red Bull in the top five. <laughs> yeah. I think everybody thought it really, didn't they? I mean, it's not something not something you hear about an awful lot. Well, it was an interesting, on the race itself, there was an interesting tyre usage. And this is where the Ferrari thing kicked in because everybody was on the medium tyres bar Charles Leclerc in third on soft tyres. Um, Valtteri Bottas was, or um, sorry, Joe was as well in the, in the Alfa Romeo, but like he was last. Um, so he had nothing to lose. And then both Red Bulls and Valtteri Bottas were on hard tyres. Now, you know, if you have a team thing, you know, everyone's going to do one stop. You're going to do the mediums. You're going to do the hard. So obviously Red Bull thought, well, we'll do the hard, let everyone pit, jump ahead, 
and they come out in the mediums and were faster than anyone else. That was the idea. But what was really curious is why were Ferrari splitting the strategy? Um, one car on soft, one car on medium, and the lead car was on medium. That was the interesting thing. Well, it, it, it all it all kicked off with uh, uh, the start of the race with Charles Leclerc jumping George Russell like George Russell didn't exist in the second place. But what was really interesting is at no point in the race did Charles Leclerc try and rough up Carlos Sainz. I mean, he's on soft tyres. Theoretically, he's quicker. He never once did it. Talk about the wingman of the year. He did an absolute incredible job. And as I go through bits and pieces on the rest, you'll see exactly what I, what, what you mean. Now, there was a bit... <laughs> there was a little bit of silly buggering going on, and um, I, I don't think we all have to guess really who, because um, it's unfortunately someone has been playing silly buggers quite a lot lately. But um, on the start, he jumped two cars by going off the track, including his teammate, uh, George Russell. When you're doing something, you might as well do it right, like, you know, no use in half measures. Well, that's very true. Yeah. That's very true. He jumped George Russell on the start and he jumped Lando Norris, who was in front of him, and um, by going slightly off the track and then just basically going completely off the track, uh, going up the outside and straight into third place. Now, there was a little bit of um, chat going on at the time, but in fairness to them, you know, they knew they'd done something wrong and they gave the place back to George Russell at the end of the first lap. Now, the question was... Lando Norris and Lando Norris was going around after the end of lap one going and where's my place he jumped me too now you know eventually they gave in because there was a threat of a five second penalty maybe imposed but what I thought was rather cheeky and I thought it should have got the five second penalty is he didn't give it back to lap nine which completely and utterly wrecked Lando Norris's sort of position behind George Russell. It dropped him right back behind him, you know. So, I mean, I thought that was a bit of a cheeky a cheeky move and I thought the FIA could have jumped on that one a bit quicker saying, yeah, look, you've given one place back. Now, if you don't want five seconds, give the second one back in the next lap or two, you know. But usually they're, very, um, they're, they're usually very quick to give out penalty, to give out penalty, <laughs> aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> they love their penalty points, but they're actually they've, they've, points. they've given no points. Like you know, that they've given penalty points. Oh, Absolutely, he scratched his nose on that corner. He didn't have two hands on the wheel. Penalty points. <laughs> and, and that's the way it was but they were actually quite slow in Singapore it was being it was about to be announced when he gave the well, was that the, due to the nature of the track or was it the weather or I have no idea um, no I think just the FIA were on a, maybe hadn't had the Weetabix in the morning or, or, or Red that's Bull weren't like giving them. out freebies I'm telling you weren't giving out freebies you know but it's um yeah, it was kind of a bit. It was kind of a bit odd. I have to admit. The other thing, really, about Hamilton not giving the place back to Russell for a lap and then not giving it back to Norris is, of course, he was slowing down his teammate. He was slowing down the two of them uh, so much so he gave Ferrari the two Ferraris one and two a bit of clean air and got Leclerc ahead of Russell, giving him a bit of a a comfortable situation. So not only did he make the mistake of jumping the two, but he also gave the Ferraris a bit of breathing space, which I'm sure Ferrari were going, yes, thank you very much. Uh, but I'm sure George Russell wasn't, uh, as to say. Now we had... Uh, Mercedes wouldn't have been too happy with that either. 
No, they probably weren't, actually. Um, but it was good when to swap places, I have to admit. There was a bit of a... Sunoda broke down before the first lap was out. Um, and I think maybe maybe they were hesitating for a minute, thinking, oh, 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 he'll go in now. I'll pit real quick, come out in different tyres, and I'll come out in medium tyres or soft tyres, uh, and then we move forwards and there even though he dropped back places if he was on soft tires he'd be you know gone by an absolute bullet but you know with this thing with the overtaking yes Norris did have a point he, he was completely correct he did jump the corner to get past Norris he wouldn't have got past them otherwise and then he most well, certainly like wouldn't have got past nice but look at the turbo boost Jumping over. Turbo boost wouldn't have been a bad idea to be. <laughs> wouldn't have been a bad idea. That's the thing maybe in a Formula <laughs> One car, but. Well, I, I did notice then the next stage, I think, was more watching Ferrari because Charles Leclerc was on top of Sainz. Now, they asked him just to back off a bit. He was not making any attempt to overtake him. I mean, he's on soft tires. Um, you know, science is on mediums. He could have overtaken him in any corner um, because that's the, you know, the big difference between the tires. But he didn't. But he stayed right on top of him. Now, they did ask him to fall back a bit, which sounds a bit crazy considering, you know, Russell wasn't that far behind. But what was happening was, I like to call it the Red Bull effect because, you know, he was absolutely grand until the DRS flapped open when he was less than a second behind signs. Then what was happening was the car was basically jumping forward slightly and putting heat into the front tyres. But then he was losing heat in the back tyres. And then when he got to the next corner, suddenly he didn't have the grip he had before because the back tyres had lost a little bit of heat. And he started sliding around, uh, you know, and he'd have to pit a lot earlier than he, you know, probably should have. But anyhow, Suzuka is just a mad mental track, really. You know, it's just it's kind of uh, Singapore. Is, it, it, it is a mental track, I have to admit. It is an absolutely mental track. Um, it just throws up. Spanners the whole time, and that's a great thing. <laughs> for, for, that is an absolute thing. Observers it is. <laughs> but, uh, these are highly skilled drivers. Well, that's very true. It's, it? nothing, it's, it's nothing to them, I suppose, to a certain extent. No, no. But what what was really good with science as well, I think, was when when you know. Leclerc had to pop back a wee bit. Sainz put in a lap that was a fa- a second faster than anybody else and then back down to the speed he was doing already. You know, so it was kind of right, give him a bit of space. I don't want to run him into Russell. I'll push forwards a bit. Now that way he'll be okay. So there was a real team game um, going on with Ferrari because, you know, Leclerc squarely had his eyes on who was behind him, not in front of him. And considering he had the soft tyres, you know, he could have been gone. But he actually didn't. It's nice to see this in Ferrari because the last race, of course, they were tearing at each other the whole time. And I reckon they came third and fourth. They could have, one of them could have came second if they weren't tearing at each other the whole time. So it was nice to actually, you know, see something going on with that. Now, the spanner was really thrown in the works at lap 19 because Logan Sargent decided there was a very nice barrier with his name on it. So he decided he would go into the barrier. And here's your late call again. He knocked the nose he off the to become acquainted with, He wanted to become acquainted with the barrier. <laughs> he did. He liked the looks of it. <laughs> he liked the looks of it. Jesus, that's a nice barrier. I must have a look at that. And he knocked his nose off, which went under the car. Now, instead of doing what normally is, the nose is loose under the car, don't go on, he decides he's going to drive all the way 
back to the pits. Now, Runners nose comes out. Yeah, exactly. If that nose slides out, he's really going to cause hassle altogether. But he actually managed to do it. But the thing was, the FIA jumped on the fact that the, bar, that the nose was underneath and they called out a virtual safety car. Exactly when he Sergeant was pulling into the pits. <laughs> it go. should have been called like that sixty seconds beforehand, you know. No, it's too late now. It's he's in the the nose didn't come off, you know. But it did trigger quite a lot because it was a situation where every car no car really ran away with the race, if you get me. Everything was like one to two seconds behind each other the whole way down the track. So I was kind of waiting for somebody to blink. But it wasn't like the race was was in warp zone or something like that, that it was like in slow motion for for the entire race? Actually, that bit of it was, yeah, because you were just watching and everybody, no one making an attempt on anybody. Everybody just running around within a second and a half of each other, and and you know you could just tell you could tell there was tension. You could tell who's going to blink first because it's going to be a midfielder. He's going to blink, come in for for tires, come back out, hit the hit the the the, the kind of accelerator, be even incredibly faster than he was already, and everyone else is going to suddenly dive in and try to cover him. So we knew it was going to get chaos. Well. Yeah, Logan Sargent going off the track caused the chaos because they all came in. And now here it is again. I, I thought this was quite significant and a big bow, I have to admit, um, to Ferrari again and Charles Leclerc because Sainz dived in first. Charles Leclerc came in behind him, but he did the most amazing job because he slowed the car down to make sure everyone behind him would slow down and give Sainz a bit more of a kick because he knew he was going to have to come and pit after Sainz, so he's going to lose his place because they're double stacking him. But then if he he loses his place, who's going to end up in second place? And he wanted to make sure that whoever did had enough space to Sainz. And I mean, you can't blame him. Wow, what a move. Like, And he got delayed and he came back out in sixth, but... You know, he was happy enough. He did that off his own back. They didn't even ask him to do it. And he had seen that. Let Carlos in. I'll drag them all down by an extra second. And then that'll give him a bit more of a break, you know. He did have a disastrous pit Leclerc as well. But we won't go there. But, you know, it was a very late safety car. It caused all all the action to go. And then, you know... Well, Charles Leclerc did a great job. Now, the interesting under one was uh, once everyone had pitted, the two Red Bulls hadn't pitted. Now, the strategy would have been Max Verstappen doesn't pit and Max Verstappen is first. Max Verstappen was second. He didn't get past Carlos Sainz. He was in front of him on brand new tyres, brand new hard tyres. And Max Verstappen was behind him on 19 lap old hard tyres. It was the worst call I think I've ever seen in my entire life because after the restart they just got mugged and mugged and mugged. It was so bad that when they pulled in for their scheduled stop both Red Bulls came out in last last and second last place. That's how bad it was. Now they didn't stay there but still that's actually how bad it was. I, I, I have never you know, for such a bad qualifying and, and tactics being massively important to them um, because of what's going on with their car, to do that and run the cars around for a few laps to see how it goes and the cars to fall back. I mean, they it was were very being on, uh, on the track. It was very on uh, Red Bull like, um, uh, very on uh, on Red Bull. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, obviously, they didn't bring a few cans with them this weekend. <laughs> oh, Can I have a Red Bull there, lad? Sorry, we didn't bring any cans this week. What? Yeah, you'd have flying Formula One cars then, like, you know. Oh, 
absolutely that's very true yeah that is very true but you know it, it, it was great to see and then, and then that, that, that would be uh, I, I could imagine you you'd be watching the telly and I think huh is that former huh? car flying around <laughs> it's mostly on the ground they can do they can do when they collide tyres sometimes <laughs> you know, when you've had enough red bull absolutely now mm. The next vital point, and, and this one was quite critical, is towards the end there was a virtual safety car because Esteban Ocon broke down. It wasn't in the best. Hello and you're very welcome back to Friday Sport with myself, Aidan Rafferty, and the shows as always kindly sponsored by Best Drive here in Roscommon Town. Well, uh, unfortunately we've come to the end of the show. We hope you enjoyed all the interviews that we've had and of course, uh, once again, thanks very much to uh, Brian for... Uh, uh, my my ever brilliant uh, wingman, and uh, I hope you enjoy our predi- our predictions and everything. So, how are you enjoying being co-presenter? Yeah, really enjoying it and get to do something I love, talk about sport. Uh, so, I'm delighted to be part of the team now. That's great, and it's great to have you on board. And uh, you know, it's uh, it, it's uh, we we get we'll get a great discussion in every week. So, listen, thanks very much, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, if you're going to any matches over the weekend, we hope you enjoy them, and we'll do it all again next week. Until then, bye.